welcome to season three of You're Not Alone with Tanzan. My name is Tanzan, and if you've followed my journey, you know that I'm not only a musician, but I'm also a mental health advocate. I use my platform to help spread awareness, love, build community, and simply help people feel less alone in their struggles. In the last couple of years, I've had the chance to interview people from all over the world about a huge variety of mental health topics, and I cannot thank each of you enough for helping us continue to shine a light on the world. Every other week this season, we're bringing you the best interviews we've had. Make sure to like and follow this podcast if you're enjoying it. And if you want to keep up with everything we've got going, follow us on socials at Townsend T Music. Hope you enjoy. What is up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of You're Not Alone with Townsend. I, of course, am your host, Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to be chit-chatting with somebody that I go way back with. Yeah, we go way back. We were talking about this earlier, and it's like, I hadn't seen you in like 10 years, and I instantly felt super old, but that's just part of life. We're going to be talking to my buddy Summer about diabetes, and I think this is super important because it's something that is so common. It never gets talked about, and she ended up telling me like she basically specializes in that, which I think is so cool. Summer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here. We are stoked to have you. Man, we go way back. College. I mean, I was 17, I think, when I met you. 17. Oh, such a baby. We're not going to say how old you are now. That just shows how old I am. Uh, And we're both really young at heart, and that's all that matters. (laughs) Yeah, just young. Just babies. We're babies, Summer. For sure. Young at heart. like you. Yeah, age. Yeah, it's just it's just a number. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm stoked to have you. Okay, so the reason I found Summer and the reason that I reached out to her, I remember vividly in sorority. We we're in the same sorority. Went to college together, and she had this little pump that she wore, and we were really into sports. And so I remember seeing Summer have this thing, and it was just like part of you, but it was never really discussed. It wasn't really a thing, and it didn't seem to hold you back that much. And I. I remember thinking like I was so intrigued by that and it was just you just treated it like another arm like another limb on yourself and I thought that was so cool and it seemed especially at 17 years old seemed so mature that you knew how to take care of yourself and how to take care of all of the we could barely like function at 17 you're just not very good at like doing life yet so I thought it was so cool and so admirable that you could do all those things and keep it running so I was like, yeah, I have to have her now that she's an adult and can explain it well. Diabetes, it's one of my favorite things. That is awesome. Hey, how about we talk about it today? Let's, hey, I'm here. You're here. Let's do it. Oh my gosh, let's do it. Okay, so I always let my guests introduce themselves. So let's introduce you. So who the heck is Summer? You can talk about your job. You can talk about whatever you want, just to have my listeners get to know you a little bit. Sure. So my name's Summer Brackett. I won't tell my age, like Townsend said, That's right. but here in central Arkansas. I actually have the pleasure of practicing as a pediatric nurse practitioner, and I specialize in diabetes and weight management, which is the coolest thing in the world. Never thought I would see myself doing this. Um, I briefly started out as a nurse um, after school as an oncology, a pediatric oncology nurse, and I thought, I'll do this the rest of my life. I'm helping people, but I went to grad school at UAMS and This job really did just land in my lap, and it's one of my greatest blessings that I I hope to retire here. I always tell everyone, you're going to have to bury me in the back one day. But I think in central Arkansas, I love to cycle for fun. That's my favorite thing to do. 
I'm trying to train right now for a half marathon. I don't really know why, because it's fun and we're still young. Why not? But other than that, I think I'm a pretty boring person. <laughs> oh, one, not boring at all. Two, a half marathon quite literally sounds like the worst to me. I, listen, I run two. I don't think I'm out here running daily. <laughs> and I'm running slow, being out there, seeing those people. I'm like, this is amazing. So try it. You can come run with me if you want to. I'm good. Uh, that is one thing I will happily turn down. I'm not going to be that. I will. Okay, Summer, here's the deal. I will like be the best cheerleader you've ever had. I'm really good at encouraging people. I'll be on the sideline with that sign, but I'm not going to be running. Like if I am running, be nervous because something's chasing me. That's me. I get but, it. I get it. Yeah, Tanzan ain't in a hurry. Let's be for real. <laughs> but I love that. That is so cool. It's cool to see that you're still athletic and still doing it. And again, not letting diabetes hold you back. That's just so neat. Are you enjoying this conversation? This project is funded by patrons and sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to help us continue changing lives in 2024, we would love to have you join the family. Reach out to us at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com if you'd like to be a sponsor or hop on patreon.com slash townsendtmusic to join the patron family. As a thank you, you're going to receive extra podcast questions and content every episode, discounts, exclusive content, and so much more. So join the family and let's continue changing lives. I have the typical symptoms that you hear of with increased thirst, increased urination, quite a bit of weight loss at six years old. Um, I remember my dad was taking me to dance and I was in my little leotard and I remember him looking at me. And he, I remember him feeling on my back and he could feel like my bones were sticking out. And that same day, I remember him taking me to Wendy's of all things. Um, I got a kid's meal. He got an adult size meal. I finished mine before he did. And I asked him, hey, can I have your food? I was six, tiny, tiny, tiny. Didn't really exhibit any signs of, you know, the flu or being ill other than just being a lot, drinking a lot. And so they took me to the pediatrician. Those are the classic symptoms of diabetes and checked my blood sugar. It was almost 800, which is alarmingly scary. And they said, get to the hospital now. That's kind of how my diagnosis started. So, gosh, that was 25 years ago. I don't know anything else other than diabetes. So that's been my journey so far and kind of how it started out. Wow. Goodness gracious. So you were six and just going to the bathroom a lot hungry but tiny a lot of weight loss absolutely a lot of blurry vision headaches abdominal pain too that can come with those typical symptoms but yeah the alarming being a lot drinking a lot and weight loss pretty rapidly over a two to three month period yeah okay so for people that don't know what is an average like sugar level well it's it's different for everyone um the basis of it, you would want to definitely stick between, you know, 70 to 120. Um, and it's different if you are diabetic, you know, are you checking a blood sugar after you just ate? Is this a fasting sample? So there's different numbers. And I always tell people there's no good number for diabetes. Just going to depend on kind of what you ate. How was your day? Are you stressed? Lots of different factors that can affect your blood sugars for sure. Yeah. But 800 is off the charts. Yeah. I um 
you can have something called diabetic ketoacidosis for DKA, um, where acids actually start to build up in your blood. And thankfully, I wasn't in DKA, but that does start to occur if ketone bodies develop because lack of insulin in your body. So I do think that we caught this pretty early, thankfully. Um, I don't remember you know, the logistics of exactly what all of the numbers were. I just remember I stayed in the hospital for a few days with some fluids hooked up and they showed me how to give some insulin shots and that was life. Here we are. And that was it. Yeah. Now at a certain level, again, for people that aren't really in the healthcare field, once you read a certain level of sugars, like it can send your body into what you talked about. It could be stroke level. It could cause a lot of different health issues. So it's a big deal to hit a number that high. Absolutely. And for those that may not know, I mean, diabetes is a metabolic disorder and it really occurs when the body's unable to make insulin, which is a hormone properly. Now, without the sufficient amounts of insulin in the body, eventually those blood sugars are just rising and that's where diabetes starts to develop. Yeah, absolutely. So would that be how you define diabetes to like a patient that comes in? Absolutely. Um, there's different blood tests that we can run, but all in all, we want to figure out what type of diabetes that they have, and we'll do that and typically in the clinic or if they're presenting to the hospital for the first time. Um, most people don't present to us because I'm specialized. They usually have a diagnosis when they come to me. So most people are seeing their pediatrician or their primary care doctors for any abnormal symptoms or concerns, and usually for those initial blood tests. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talked about the different kinds. So what are are there different types and can you explain the different types for people? Absolutely. So there's actually several different types of diabetes um, that I didn't know about until I got this job. They're very specialized, meaning you could have steroid induced diabetes. Um, cystic fibrosis patients actually have a certain type of diabetes that's called cystic fibrosis related diabetes. Um, there's another type of diabetes that's called MODI that's a genetic component. But majority of patients are termed type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So giving you a little bit on the backstory of that, type 1 is what I have, and that's a disease of insulin insufficiency, meaning the body's unable to make any insulin. Now, this really did used to be called juvenile diabetes from years ago when I heard because it was thought that only kids develop type 1. But that's not entirely true anymore. Um, I have a friend who was actually diagnosed with type 1 at 28 years old. And I'll tell you in just a second how they knew she had type 1 versus type 2. But really, this autoimmune condition, it's thought to occur because um, there's a result of the body cells attacking itself for some reason. Now, we know with type 1, those insulin-producing beta cells are actually what's being destroyed in the pancreas. And eventually that's leading to those higher blood sugars, leading to diabetes, of course. There's no cure, unfortunately, for type mm -hmm. 1. We think one day there will be, but I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime. People always ask me, you know, what if there was a cure, would you do it? No, I wouldn't. Really? I, I don't think I know how to live without diabetes. I feel like it, it is me and it's who I am. But yeah, truthfully, with type 1 diabetes, there's only one treatment. Since your body's not making insulin anymore, you have to exogenously give it, whether that be an insulin pump like you were talking about that um, I've always worn, or you take multiple injections of insulin in shots per day. So with um, type 2, it's fairly common as well. 
it's more of a disease of insulin resistance, meaning the body is still making insulin, but it doesn't really know how to use it properly. Now, an elevated body mass index, obesity, being overweight, we know can lead to insulin resistance, but eating that unhealthy diet, maybe higher fat foods, higher sugar intake, well, of course, those are going to raise the blood sugars. Remember, blood sugars being elevated for quite some time, that's going to lead to a diagnosis of diabetes. Now, some diabetics eventually can be just on oral pills to, to maintain their sugars, but eventually they could also be um, on shots. So there's no true way to know if someone's taking insulin shots, whether they have type 1 or type 2. There are some physical characteristics of the differences in type 1 and type 2, but the only true way to know the difference is a blood test called pancreatic antibodies. And so there's several different um, types, but we, when we see kids in our practice, no matter what they look like, what their family history might be, we always obtain those pancreatic antibodies to know, are they type one and are we going to have to start insulin immediately or are they type two and can we maybe start out with oral treatment, maybe not need insulin now, ever, or right away. Interesting. Okay. So we talked about the pump. How does that how does that work? Like I said, when I was 17, 18 and seeing it on you, it's something that I wasn't familiar with. And like I said, I'm a total dweeb. Like I love learning people and I love learning how people function. But I just remember, and of course I know about it now, that's been 10, 15 years ago, but it's like a little box and you had these wires and it was hooked up and you just look at it every blue moon and keep going. And I was so intrigued. Can you tell us a little bit about what those do? Like, how does that work? Absolutely. There are several different types of insulin pumps now. Um, yeah. You know, even ago, there was only one type of pump and it was tubed. Um, I'll, I would show it to you on my body right now, but I'm trying out a tubeless pump currently, so I don't have it on. Um, Fancy. Fun. I actually have one right here that I can show you guys. This is one of the OG insulin pumps, probably one of the ones that I had back in college. Yeah, this little device, we call it the, the little pancreas. And so it holds just short acting insulin in here. And you have a tiny little site with a catheter that goes on your skin and it stays there for three days. So it's a continuous pump of insulin. Um, you have something called a basal rate where we automatically set that with the healthcare provider according to what you need, your body weight, stuff like that. But anytime you eat, you're of course looking at a label, you're counting carbohydrates you're punching all of that in this little pump to give you maybe a little bit more insulin. So pretty, pretty cool device. But right now, um, it's on my leg. Or I would show it to y'all under my leggings. I'm starting out on an Omnipod, which is a tubeless insulin pump. Very, very similar, but it doesn't have the tube connected to it. I change it every three days. have to keep this with me because I have to enter those carbohydrates in here, right? That's pretty cool. Um, the alternative to an insulin pump would be those injections that I talked about. Um, no less than four per day will have a long acting insulin that you do, and at least probably three other injections per the meals that you take. Wow. Some people, yeah, that's pumps aren't for everybody. They don't always want something attached to them, and that's totally cool. But yeah, I have lots of my patients, lots of my kids go on pumps and they decide, ah, I don't want anything attached to me. So they go back to doing multiple shots a day. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ooh, girl, I couldn't give myself a shot. I'd be laying on the floor, passed out probably. I'd probably want a pump like yours. For people that are listening, it kind of looks like a little pager, like back in the day, the little beeper that people had. Yes. So many people ask me about my pager my whole life. And I love it. Oh, I'm a jokester. I'll just be like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll keep on with it. But it really does the same size as a pager. (laughs) I love that it's bright pink, too. Absolutely. Like I said, I have just a box of OG pumps. Um, They're a little more advanced now. They're touchscreen, a little bit more discreet. But why not? I had a purple one growing up, a teal one. Girl, all the colors. Yes. For sure. I love it. Okay, so is diabetes, is it hereditary? Is it something that can be passed down in your family? I mean, you were talking about earlier, it doesn't really matter what you look like. You could be obese, you could be little, you don't really know till you do that blood test. So could it be something that maybe you are healthy and thin, but it runs in your genes? So it is thought to be um, hereditary, both type one and type two, but I'm the prime example of when I was six, there was nobody in my family who had type one. Nobody had heard of diabetes ever. So, yes, I do often see people that maybe their mom or dad has diabetes, their sibling has diabetes. So, yes, there is a hereditary component, but not necessarily with type one. Um, it it just depends. And if you know you're at risk, I do tell families, talk to your primary care doctors. Get, um, I'll explain what a hemoglobin A1C is after this, but get that A1C checked, you know, at your your checkup once a year, especially if you know you're at high risk, whether that be a first or second degree relative that has diabetes. Um, just going at that hemoglobin A1C, that is the gold standard and the predictor of how to tell if someone has diabetes. And that test I had briefly referred to that most people are getting in their PCP's offices. Um, it's a blood test, comes back fairly quickly, and that A1C doesn't have to be fasting. It's a blood test that is the three-month average of your blood sugars. So number of 6.5 or greater is considered diabetes. Uh, granted, if we want to know type 1 versus type 2, we're going to have to do those pancreatic antibodies. But um, 6.4 5.7 to 6.4 is pre-diabetes. So yeah, that A1C, it's quick. It comes back. That tells you we definitely have diabetes or not. So I do. I tell families all the time, if we know their sibling has diabetes, let's go ahead and get the siblings checked at least once a year. I try to educate families on what symptoms to be on the alert for, that frequent urination, frequent hunger, any weight loss. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So it's pretty easy. Go and get your blood work. Keep in touch with your doctor, things like that. Okay. So what does a day in the life of diabetes diagnosis look like? So how would your life maybe be different than someone like me without diabetes? And that may be hard to talk about because you don't know life without it. it that That is a really tough question. Um, I read an article one time that said diabetics tend to make up to 250 more decisions a day than someone who doesn't live with diabetes. And I guess with going on a spiral of that, um, say, gosh, say I wake up one day, I immediately check my blood sugar and it's higher than it should be. Well, that spiral from there happens. Why is my sugar high? Did my insulin pump site come off or not? Is my insulin expired in my pump? Do I have those ketones, which are those acids that build up in your blood? What did I eat last? How did that affect my blood sugar? 
well, now what am I going to eat for breakfast? As you can see, I just rattled off what six to seven different thoughts in a 10 second time span that is going to affect me right now and is probably going to affect the next few hours of my day. So some days are different. I don't want to say every day is like that. Um, I feel like I'm a normal human. I can live life like anyone else. You wouldn't know that I'm diabetic walking on the street next to me. But when you're sick or when you just have those bad, essentially bad diabetes days, yeah, it's kind of a spiral. You almost have to be a, a type A person that's on top of things and always being prepared for the what ifs. So I always have a charger with me for my, my pump PDM. I always have insulin with me. I have an extra pump site. I always have fruit snacks in my purse. That's why I look like I'm packing 10 pounds with me in my purse because you just have to be prepared and you never know with what you're going to occur and what if you get stuck in traffic for 30 minutes that your blood sugar is dropping. So trying to be type A, I think, is a, a good way to describe me personally. I'm being diabetic and living with it, but you can't be perfect every day. I get that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What does, man, even for me, so with getting older and trying, you know, back in the day, you could eat whatever you wanted. Now I look at things and already feel like wheezy because I'm like, yeah, that's going to put weight on my hips. Um, So it's hard to know. And I feel like the health standards are literally ever changing. So what, a, let's say you do wake up and you're like, okay, I want to eat kind of somewhat healthy this morning. Just, and this is totally off the cusp, but just curious what does like a quick meal look like that's not going to like shoot your blood sugar up? Yeah. So the thing with me being type one diabetic and needing insulin because I don't make insulin, obviously, um, I have to eat some form of carbohydrates. And okay. so my typical breakfast is going to include a yogurt, maybe some uh, granola. Granola can have a lot of sugar in it. So maybe smaller amounts, sticking to an appropriate portion with some fruit. Okay. I know body works. It works with me. I know how much insulin to do, but it's hard for me to say, hey, I'm going to go have some pancakes, get all that good sugar-free syrup on there. I do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to live life, but I'm going to prepare and know that probably don't need to do that right before I exercise because exercise can also lower your blood sugar. So just being mindful of how carbohydrates work on my body. I also have celiac disease, which is another autoimmune condition where I cannot tolerate gluten. And so I've got to be careful with, with what I eat, what I put in my body, making sure that doesn't cause an upset stomach, which in return, if I'm throwing up later, I'm not going to be able to eat if my blood sugar is dropping. So once again, being type A, being on top of things, I kind of have to. I don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if I ever go on vacation, so here's the deal. I don't know if you go by the Enneagrams, but I'm an Enneagram six. I got to have everything planned out. So I'm going to go on vacation with Summer. I need her to come with me because she's got it planned out. She's good at doing it. I think we'd I think we'd vacation well. Okay. Name the place. We're going. <laughs> We're done. We're going to do this podcast on the road because she'll be prepared. I'll be. We'll just like, I feel like we make a good team. I have fruit snacks for you. Done. That's all I need. A plan and fruit snacks and I am in. I love um, it. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. The, that's going to be my new motto. I just need a plan and fruit snacks and I'm in. You should patent that because I will if you don't. There you go. 
Okay. Do you feel like, you know, we talked about this earlier. I remember summer being super into sports and athletic and like hanging out with friends. Do you feel like your diagnosis has held you back at all? I'm pretty positive. So it's hard for me to say many negative things about a diagnosis like this, but I truly have never thought of my diagnosis as a burden. And I'll tell you why. It's because of Rhonda and Nick, which are my wonderful parents, because they made diabetes. I don't even want to start crying, but they made diabetes everything but negative. It was cool to have diabetes as a kid. I felt like a superhero. It was special. So I got to have extra treats when my blood sugar was low. We also had to wear uniforms at school. I didn't have to tuck my shirt into my pants because of my insulin pump line. So (laughs) they were the reason. It was never a negative thing. I ate the sweets as long as I got the extra insulin for it. Now, the answer may have been, hey, we got your ice cream. It's in the freezer. We need to wait till your sugar comes down. But I played every sport growing up. I went to birthday parties. I went swimming. But you best believe Rhonda and Nick were chasing me down with either something to check my blood sugar or to hold my insulin pump. Um, And I know everyone's not that fortunate, but personally, I just always felt like I was cool. Like it was something extra I got to have. And I know now I'm in a role to educate, relate to my kids every day, because I, I remember what it was like to be a teenager going to the endocrinologist every three months. And I would I would sit in that office and someone would come in who would preach at me on how to manage a disease that they truthfully didn't understand. Now, they were the experts, much smarter than me. Everything they were saying was correct, but it really hurt me that, I won't say hurt, that's dramatic, but they didn't get it. They didn't live with it. They didn't know the day in and the day out. And so that really resonated with me as a teen. But I try to remember that. And especially in this role, I try to be empathetic with my kids because diabetes burnout, it, it's real. It's a real thing that we talk about. And I just want them to know that I get it. Like you can be burnout, but you've got to ask for help when you're burnout. You can't just quit. You can't just not do anything. But I know everyone didn't have a Rhonda and Nick to chase them around or they don't as kids. So I'm, I really am fortunate that I had great parents and still do to this day. That is so cool. I love that you're kind of living out. I'm going to use the term, they're legend, you know, like you get to be the Rhonda and Nate now to all these kids and be like, hey, listen, you're cool. Like you got this cool little pager on you that people can read. Like what a neat, like whirlwind of titles. That's so cool. Now you're the Rhonda and Nick to other kids. Oh, that's awesome. That's so neat. I really do. I try to remember that every day, especially when they get frustrated. You see the same kids day in and day out, they're still not doing anything that they're supposed to, but there's so much more to it than what I can see on a piece of paper in the office for 20 minutes. No, I I just try to let them know it's okay to be burned out. Like, do we need to talk about mental health therapy? Absolutely. I don't feel like that's talked about enough. It's okay to go to therapy and talk about diabetes with your school teacher, your therapist, your provider, your parents, your siblings, whoever your support system may be. Yeah, that's not normal. I could totally imagine that being, especially as a young kid or not being a type A where like organization is really easy for you. I imagine that would be really hard to keep up with for sure. Absolutely. And then 
just during the time of COVID, being at home, being so isolated, you know, what if your school nurse was your Rhonda and Nick? You know, I would I see some amazing school nurses, um, maybe single parents that can't do everything alone, some grandparents who are stepping up. So yeah, I, we've heard it all, but just trying to be empathetic is really, really the the best thing you can do, especially to a teenager who lived with diabetes. I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Where did you feel like when you were a kid and a teenager and realizing like, okay, this is different than my friends, maybe kind of figuring out this was a little bit different. Where did you find the most support or the most knowledge? Like, where did you learn about all this? Oh my gosh, I love this. So I feel like I just had a great childhood too. But when I was diagnosed at six years old, my next door neighbor, her name She's still my parents' next door neighbor. Um, her name's Mary Jackson. Her son was diagnosed with type one when he was little, and she started a camp in Texas. I did you not? This woman is a saint. She is amazing. I hope she listens to this. I'm going to tell her to. But Mary Jackson started a camp one week out of the summer for kids who had diabetes and their siblings. I was diagnosed in January. The camp was in June. She was my neighbor. My parents were like, go, you're there. I still to this day talk to, goodness, 15, 20 of those people. I go back and volunteer at that camp now as one of the counselors. Um, It's insane how that just fell into my lap. So I tell patients nowadays, you have to get your kids in camp. You have to go to camp. We have a local one here in central Arkansas. That is where you're going to find kids like you or people like you, people that aren't children, volunteer at these things. There's local organizations like the JDRF, volunteer, volunteer at Camp Aldersgate. Those are where you're going to not feel so isolated and find people just like you because we need that. I need that. I want to know I'm not alone. Even though I seem confident and I feel like I have it, still get frustrated. Don't get me wrong. And I need to just get that out of there sometimes with someone who understands diabetes. And so Thankfully, now at work, um, many of us have diabetes, too. We get to bounce ideas off each other, our frustrations. But yeah, as a kid, camp, everyone should go to diabetes camp. It's so much fun. You'll learn how to take care of yourself better and just not feel alone. That is so cool. Mary Jackson sounds awesome. She's the best. <laughs> I, okay, I'm not going to lie. When you <laughs> you want to know what I pictured when you were about to tell your story? really no telling please yeah. listen this is where my mind went you said i had a neighbor mary and i knew for a fact she was going to be like 97 and she had diabetes and i imagined this bowl of like the grandma candy and so she invited you over to teach you about it like my mind was like yes i like this story already that's not how it ended but <laughs> i mean that's probably true for someone though maybe yeah yeah, I love geriatrics, so I would have loved that story just as much. That is that is awesome. Okay, I did not know diabetic camp existed, and that is awesome. It's a national thing. Google diabetes camp. It is the best. I still go and get hyped about it. It's the best. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. I need to go look it up. That is so neat. I'd love to know more about it. And just I'm around it all the time. I love adults. I'm around adults all the time. I know you're with pediatrics, and it is something that God, it's like a staggering amount of people have diabetes. It is. And like I was saying with it being an autoimmune condition, well, we know autoimmune conditions happen because 
the body is attacking its own cells for some reason. Is that maybe because of a viral illness? Could that have been, you know, diseases, more diseases nowadays? Maybe so, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We're seeing more and more type one and type two diabetes nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like technology, it's hard to say. It's like, is it the chicken or the egg? And we've gone through this through almost every diagnosis on the podcast is technology is getting really good. Research is getting really good. People are talking about it more. So it's hard to know. It's probably been around and it's probably been this prevalent, but we're figuring it out now, which is really cool. I love that we're making strides and figuring things out as we go. Okay, Summer, let's wrap it up with what do you wish people knew about diabetes. So the people listening, they're logging off. What's one thing you wish they took with them or something that they knew? We didn't get it because we ate too much sugar. That is gold. It's not contagious also. And like, we can be normal too. Don't, nothing will hold us back. Just ask. Don't, don't be nervous. I see people at the grocery store all the time and I realize I'm an extrovert. They might not be. But I love to walk up to people and be like, hey, I like your insulin pump. I have one too. Airports, vacation, it's my favorite. So yeah, just be bold, be out. Try to reconnect with those people too. I love it. I love that you ended on, we didn't get it because we ate so much sugar because that is such a real thing. I hear it often. You see the memes that say it and I'm like, ah, no, that's (laughs) the truth, man. I could, I... Honest to goodness, I don't know anyone that I would talk to just offhand that wouldn't think that was the reason. And and that's because it's lack of education. And that's that's on us as, as healthcare providers too. So we should do a better job at educating as well. Yeah. I think we just did a really good job. I hope so. Yeah, I feel like people should hire us for chats and stuff. Right. We just saved the world in like 30 minutes. <laughs> I love it. Summer, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love it. Appreciate it so much. Absolutely. It is so awesome checking in with you and getting to catch up a little bit. You look just like you did when you were 17, like such a compliment. I appreciate it. I love it. It was such a pleasure. Guys, okay. If you you know how this goes if you listen. So Summer and I are going to keep talking. You can find the extra que- questions on my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Townsend Music. Hop on there. It is amazing. It's in a community full of friends and family. We get to a little bit one-on-one. And that's how we keep this podcast and this project going. That's how we keep it funded. So I am so thankful for those people. I'm thankful for the sponsors for the podcast. We're going to keep talking. If not, we'll catch you next week. If you'd like to hear the rest of this interview, visit patreon.com slash Music. And don't forget, you can also watch the interviews on our YouTube channel at Townsend Music YouTube. Selena with Impact Coaching and Consulting is a certified life coach who helps women find harmony with their faith, family, and career. She offers a virtual goals workshop, mastermind group, and a one-on-one private coaching where she helps you identify your deepest purpose, develop a roadmap to reach tangible goals, and encourage you to overcome any obstacles along the way. Selena's worked with hundreds of business professionals throughout the United States including small business owners, direct sales associates, chiropractors, financial advisors, real estate agents, doctors, professors, teachers, and many more. 
You can follow her at coach underscore Selena on Instagram and Impact Life Coaching on Facebook. You'll love the encouragement and the practical tips for finding harmony in your unique life. If you're looking to buy or sell, I have the perfect realty company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. And they understand that buying or selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience. That's why their team of highly seasoned real estate professionals is dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized services for all their clients. They truly take great pride in the relationships they build, and they always work relentlessly on the client's behalf to help them achieve their perfect real estate goals. They always have the client in mind, and I can speak firsthand when I say how reliable, trustworthy, and quick they were. When I was looking to buy my first home, they were there with me every step of the way, answering every question I could think of. They showed me a great amount of knowledge and patience through the process. It's no wonder they've won so many awards for their outstanding services and their excellent relationships with clients. So if you're looking to buy or sell, there is no better option than Clark & Co Realty.